Acts 20, we'll go down to the 35th verse. The Magi that brought gifts to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're doing so being recorded in the Gospels for us to see and to understand the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh is a foundation for much of what has already no doubt taken place at your home today. Some of you, you will go home and celebrate Christmas after church and you'll sit around in a living room or a kitchen and You'll give gifts to one another. And much of that is founded, it is rooted in the fact that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was given gifts the day he was born. And as we celebrate his birth on Christmas Day, part of that tradition to give gifts, it's a wonderful thing to give gifts to people that you love. It's a wonderful thing to receive gifts. And it's okay to embrace that. You don't have to shy away from the fact that it's enjoyable to unwrap a gift that someone has labored to buy. They've been consistent in their love throughout the year and now it comes to Christmas Day and they want to say how much they love you and how much they care. You see, the gift isn't in the amount. It's not in the fact that it was just a gift card. It was the fault. It was the heart. It was the action. It was the fact that you were remembered. And every time we open a gift, every time we receive a gift, and even every time that we give a gift, we're called and we're challenged to remember why we have the ability to give gifts in the first place. It all comes back to Jesus. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from the Father above. It all belongs to him, and the fact that we're able to give it is a wonderful thing. It's a precious thing. And there's obviously enjoyment. There's obviously great happiness that comes, especially for children, opening up gifts and receiving them. But the idea that it's more special, that it's precious to give a gift, that does not come from a Hallmark Christmas movie. This is a principle taught to us in God's word. Acts 20, 35. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And in my red letter edition Bible, it says this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, for just a few minutes, I pray that you would captivate our hearts and our minds. God, there is so much going through our mind today, so many things to accomplish, so much to do. God, family to see, trips to be made, gifts that still need to be wrapped. But Lord, for a few minutes, as we've come together on your day to remember you, I pray that your people would be captivated by your word. Lord, that you'd use your servant and hide me behind the cross. Use me to penetrate hearts and minds through the word of God. Do so, Holy Ghost, for I'm incapable in my human activity. Lord, we're thankful for what it means today to celebrate your birth, your ministry, the miracles, God, your death, your resurrection, Jesus, your victory in that moment. 
for becoming my sin on my cross and giving me reason and purpose to celebrate Christmas. It's in Jesus' name that the church prayed. Amen and amen. If you're a student of the word of God, this verse in Acts 20, 35 should really spark your curiosity. It's the only time in the Bible outside of the gospel that the words of Jesus Christ are quoted and they're here in front of us. It's more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to give than to receive. There's much of what Jesus said that we do not have access to in the New Testament and the Gospels. John 21, 25 tells us this. He said, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. It's more blessed, more happy, more inwardly satisfied to give. If you remember our study in Matthew chapter five, the Beatitudes, what you saw was that word blessed or blessed. It's makarios. It's the same word here. Inward satisfaction, happiness, joy to give. It's even more precious. It's even more important when we give from one believer to another done in Jesus name. It's a precious thing to give a gift. But here's what I want you to take into context today. And I love putting this in front of you because I want you to think. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to help me think through the reality that Jesus Christ, the man, is coming to your house this afternoon to celebrate Christmas. He's coming to your home. He's going to eat at your table. He's going to sit around with your family at the Christmas tree that's in your house. Now, how difficult is it going to be for you to find the right gift? Let's open every store. Let's open every outlet. Let's open up the stock market itself, the banks, and let's get you ready for Jesus to come to your house for Christmas Day. What gift are you going to be able to give that will suffice the importance of your guest? What are you going to give? Are you going to give him money? Are you going to offer to him your time? Are you going to give him effort? Do you promise to him in a card that's handwritten by a calligrapher to be more consistent in your relationship with him? Is that what you will offer? As your Christmas gift to the Son of God, he's in your home. He's unwrapping your gift. And what is he going to see? And because he is the Son of God, because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and because he delivers us from death, from hell, and from the grave, more importantly, what are his expectations of what he is to receive when he comes to your house for Christmas? What is his expectation for the gift. I promise you Jesus is not interested in your gift card to Amazon. Granddaddy, as much as I love them, all the little silver coins I've collected that you've given me since I was a little boy, it's not going to suffice, is it? There's nothing that I can come up with at home or at a store. I, I can't sell off all my stocks and all my bonds. There's nothing I can come up with that feels right or that it's enough to give him for Christmas. 
And I think it's more important for us to understand that no matter who you are here today, that there is an expectation that Christ has for you as a child of God in what you will give him, not only today, but in the coming year. The expectations that Christ has for his gift. It's a predetermined notion. It's already been set up. You see, his wish list was written for you and it's in the word of God. You do not have to guess. Miranda says that I am the worst person to buy for because she has to guess as to what I want. Well, Jesus doesn't treat you that way. He's already put exactly what he wants in front of you and he spelled it out. He's given you an idea. He's not just given you a hint, but he's given you an idea of what he wants down to the very jot and tittle of everything that he wants. I want you to think of the first gift that Jesus was ever given as all God and all man. Think of the gift that Mary gave to Jesus, the umbilical connection between man and God. And yes, her umbilical connection between her body and Jesus obviously was required for human birth. It was required as a part of the pregnancy process but it was a gift that Mary gave to Jesus when she offered her body. When God the Holy Ghost came by her way and said, you will find yourself with child and not by man, but by the Holy Ghost. Mary, the vessel, the gift that she gave to Jesus. The moment that he's born and his little cries ring out all over the world, I promise you every demon in hell, every imp of hell heard those cries and knew that the silence was over. And then Mary held the Son of God, the Messiah, the child that had been promised for hundreds of years that Jesus would come. And she's holding him there. And now her gift to the Son of God would be even the embrace from her bosom, the breast milk that she would give, a gift that Mary would give of herself to the Messiah. What a gift she gave. She gave her body. She gave her milk And then she gave her time. She gave her life, raising the Son of God. She gave effort. When he cried, she cried. When he got lost, she got worried. And Mary gave to him a great gift. But in that, Mary was also given a great gift, the privilege to give birth to the Son of God. The privilege to parent Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There was a great gift that she gave But there was a great gift in what she received by having the privilege. So Mary gave her life. She gave all that she had. And even when he's dying on the cross, Jesus had such a heart connection with the gift giver known as Mary, his mother. Because he looks at John the beloved and says, woman, behold thy son. John, take care of her. One of his final thoughts on this earth as an uncrucified savior is take care of my Mother, another gift that pays off in dividends. Jesus loved giving gifts. John 3, 16 talks about the gift of the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave a gift, his only begotten son. So then what falls to us? What are the expectations of every Christian that's here, every believer that's here? What should you be giving Not what should you be preparing to give, not what you should be thinking on giving, but what should you be giving him, not just on Christmas day, but every single day. There's one word that describes it best, all. 
all. You should be giving to him all. It's already set up for us. Mark 12, turn there in your gospels. Mark chapter 12. Go down to verse number 28. And here is, if you will, the wish list, the desire list. May I even say the commandment that Jesus desires from you this Christmas. It's a conversation between the Pharisees and Jesus. The scribe comes to him. He's been hearing a lot of what he's been saying. The 28th verse of Mark 12, if you're there, say amen. amen. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? So the scribe, the Pharisee, is asking Jesus. He's been listening to him teach. He's liked what he's heard. He is compelled by the answers and the argument. And he goes up to Jesus and he says, Christ Jesus, what is the first commandments? And Jesus answered him and said, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then notice the punctuation. There's a colon. It says, And thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. All. All. This is the priority. This is the expectation. If you feel pressure when you hear someone say, what do you want for Christmas? I want everything you have. Does that create a little internal pressure for you? If you were to ask your best friend in the whole world, what would you like for Christmas? What can I give you for Christmas? And they reply with all sincerity, maybe even with tears in their eyes, with their hands held towards your face, and they say, give me everything that you have. What kind of pressure would that create for you? Well, it's to create pressure. That's exactly what it's to do. It's to give you an idea of what it really means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus, being a Christian, a believer, and pursuing him in grace and knowledge is not simply you putting it on your social media account that you're a believer with the Bible verse. That's not being a Christian. You being a Christian is not you coming and checking the box of sitting in a blue chair a few times a month and telling people who your pastor is and where you go to church. That is not being a Christian. Jesus said, if you are a lover of God, if you want to follow me, if you want to pursue me, and if you want to be right with God, I'll take everything you have. Give it to me. You see, the truth is it all belongs to him in the first place. He deserves it. Everything that we have, everything that we can think, every emotion, every aspect of our heart, it all belongs to him. This is the priority. You see, the words that Jesus spoke here, I love this. I love this connection. I love that the Bible is its own best commentary. What Jesus is speaking here is in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy 10, 12, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Jesus is answering the scribe. He's answering the Pharisee with the word of God. He's using the word. The word is quoting the word to prove his point. He's quoting the Pentateuch. 
And what he's doing, Jesus is proving to you and to me right here, if you don't understand this, that Jesus was a Jew. He's a Jew. He's a practicing Jew. He's not yet been to the cross. He's still keeping the law. He's just changing everything they've ever known about how to look at the law. The perfect law of liberty is coming and it's coming on a mount called Calvary. In other words, Jesus was keeping the main thing, the main thing. I hope you get this this morning as a student of the word of God, but this is fundamental Christianity. This is the basics. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about putting you in a box. I'm not telling you about what you can wear and what your haircut's gotta be. We're not talking about that foolishness. We're talking about fundamental Christianity comes from the word of God. And it's so fundamental, it's so foundational that Jesus himself is quoting the law of Moses. He's quoting Deuteronomy to the scribe, to the Pharisee, which he would have known. He's keeping the main thing, the main thing. Fundamental Christianity is rooted in the word of God. And the fundamentals of our faith, the basic elements that you must understand to be a follower of Jesus is that he wants it all. He wants it all. You see, the problem is it puts us so up against who God is. You see, the consistency of God the consistency of God. If we're to emulate God, if we're to display God, if we're to act out as God would, if we're to have our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, emulate that of our God, then we are to be consistent as he is. This is what God has always wanted from man. It's what he wanted from the children of Israel and that's what he wants from you. He wants all. He wants it all. And the problem is that people try to play a silly game and they, ply, they try to pry themselves away from the truth of the word of God. And they come up short on his gift. Can you imagine going to someone's house for Christmas? You walk in and there's a guest, a family member that you did not know that would be there. And you have to scramble to go get them a gift. And the disappointment in your heart that you weren't prepared. The disappointment on their face that they know they were forgotten. What does it feel like then to be God who has an expectation of his children? He wants something back from you. This is the return on his investment. And for him to say, well, here's the expectation. I've saved them. I've called them. I've given them a new name. I've given them an eternal life through and by my son. And I've got nothing back. I get nothing. I get ignored. My word is... Left on a shelf, it's dusted off every Sunday and it's brought in begrudgingly like it's an anvil of rules and regulations rather than the word of God, the love letter written to every man. Imagine how it feels to be God when you say you are not going to get this aspect of my life. It belongs to me. You see, if God was a fair God, if God was a fair God, the moment we turn our hearts hard towards an element of our life that we know he wants, fair would for our execution to be executed right then and there. That would be a fair God. But you don't have a fair God. You have a God that's holy. You have a God that's merciful. And you have a God that looks at you with pity and says, it's okay. I picked you out anyway, even though I knew the disappointment would come. Now we come... And we go as we please, 
Faithfulness to God's house is when it's convenient for us. Convenience to prayer is when only in an emergency, when someone's in the hospital or on their way to eternity. Don't overcomplicate this. You see, Christianity, oftentimes we add all of these little things. It becomes like that, what was that called, Miss Pam? A Pandora bracelet? I got gift suggestions this year. A Pandora bracelet. And you, it's this beautiful bracelet and you add all these things to it and it's little charms that mean something. Sometimes Christians do things that are unnecessary to what Christianity really is. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind. Give it all to him. Well, he understands that I have to be able to dive into a state of drunkenness because of how stressful my life is. It's a deal that me and God have. God knows that I've had my heart broken and, and, and yes, I probably shouldn't be having this illicit sexual relationship, but me and God, we get each other and I tithe good. So it's okay. That's not Christianity. Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all. He wants all of it. And when you come to church, even on Christmas, God has an expectation of what you bring him. And for all of us that are here today, here's what we must embrace. We'll never come to a place in our life where we are satisfied with where we really are, with who we really are in light of who God is. This is the reason that some people, they make up an excuse on why they can't live for the Lord. Well, God knows I, you know, I can try and I can do what I want to, but you know, it, I'm gonna fail, so why even try in the first place? What a pitiful excuse. Amen. That's right. What a pitiful excuse. You say, this is Christmas. This is supposed to be light and happy. It is light and happy. Jesus loves you and he expects something from you. Amen. Christmas. What will you give of him? And the question comes down to this. What are you giving him? Is it 50% of who you are? Do you have a church you and then a work you? Uh, do you have someone that your friends at church know you to be? And then outside of church, you are a completely different person. If you were to have those friends run into each other, oh my, they may have different opinions. Take a look and remember what you are, what I am. The prophet Jeremiah laid out for us an incredible truth. It's a bombshell that it reaches even today. That the human heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all. You see, the heart... He wants all of it. And the heart pumps blood, the life source. Your mind, it controls all of your emotions, your thoughts. Your strength is the exertion of energy with your body, everything that you do, every action. If you spend an hour at the farmer's market looking at ferns, that's energy, that's effort that God gave you to spend your time doing what you want. Put anything there. God says, I want all of it. It comes back to what we were taught in Matthew 5 of the Beatitudes. The chief end of man, our purpose, our goal is not our comfort, but rather it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. All of my strength, all of my effort should be pointed back at my Savior. Amen. 
But then we come to this last portion, your soul, your never dying soul. God's had me say this a couple of services in a row. Every single person here under the sound of my voice, worshiping online, no matter where you are, you will spend eternity somewhere. You say, well, I don't choose to participate in your religious ideals. You will spend eternity somewhere. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Your soul is never dying. For you to truly love God, it comes from a soul that's been regenerated, a life that's been changed. And see, all of this begins at salvation. You must be saved to truly love God. He wants your soul and he wants all of it. And the reason some of you cannot love God appropriately is because you do not love him from your soul. You love him in an idea. You love him in an emotion. But at the end of the day, he is not Lord of your life. And it's the reason that there's never any peace in your life because you don't love him from your soul. Only God can initiate that. And only God can save you. But boy, when he does, the expectations are there. He wants all of you in return. We'll close with this. Go to the 31st verse of Mark 12. And this may step on a Baptist or two's toes because I know us. The 31st verse of Mark 12 here on this beautiful Christmas morning. And the second is like, namely this. And what he's talking about is the second commandment. He's already given you the first, but then he's gonna give him more than he asked for. He's gonna give him the second commandment. He says, the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandments greater than these, the first two that we're just given. Genuine love for God is followed in importance by genuine love for people. And here's a little Christmas nugget. The problem with families, the problem with relationships, the problem even in communities, the problem that even exists sometimes within church families is that people don't love the Lord thy God with all. Because they've messed that up, they can't love their neighbor as their self. You want to get this right? You want there to be peace in your home? You want there to be harmony in your relationship with your husband, with your wife? You want your children to have a wonderful place to call home? Then love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And then love thy neighbor as thyself. The word neighbor here in the Greek, it's a very specific word. It doesn't get better. Jesus is just absolutely dropping an anvil of truth on us. The Greek word here is plasion. It means every fellow man, every fellow countryman, everyone that lives close, everyone who is a friend, Everyone you know. Love thy neighbor. Love everybody you come in contact with as you would treat yourself. Love them, treat them, act in kindness towards them with everything that you have for yourself. 
And you see, when we get the first commandment wrong that Jesus has given us, then we'll get the second one wrong every single time. You know why there's such an obvious relationship in America between the American home literally dissolving in front of us and the immorality of our country becoming mainline is because if you don't love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, then you can't love your neighbor, your wife, your children, your community, your church family the right way. And this Christmas, Jesus wants something from you. Someone can help me on the piano as we close. Because I want you to ask yourself this question. This isn't for your husband, your wife. If, if you're thinking of someone else right now and their actions, then I would invite you to push that away and invite the Holy Ghost of God to come to your heart and allow him to inspect you. Don't worry about your neighbors. You need to get your relationship with God right first and then we can worry about other people. And this Christmas, the best gift that you can give to Jesus is not your money. It's not your lip service. It's not your social media posts. It's you. But not 25%, not 30%, not even 75%. I would even say to you that 99.9% is still not enough because the truth is 100% will still not be enough. There'll be a struggle an internal war, a battle until God calls us home. We have to fight to give him all every day. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to take this moment as serious as if you were sitting in front of a doctor who was gonna give you a diagnosis that would determine a lot of how the rest of your life is gonna be lived. Because really, church, if we want unity in 2023, that's our prayer, that's our desire to come together. But before we come together, we better be right with God and ask ourselves, how much am I giving of myself, of my heart, of my soul, of my mind, and of my strength? And how much of it am I laying at his feet on a daily basis? Then ask yourself if there's something that's lacking something that needs to change. And then you need to come to this altar on Christmas day and unwrap the gift of you and lay it at the feet of your savior and say, Lord, I'm tired of playing games. I'm so sick of me, I could absolutely die. Take me, use me, mold me, shape me, put me in the fire and bring me out as straight as an arrow from the acacia tree and put me in your quiver and I'll be ready to be fired, ready to be used at your calling. That's what Trinity Baptist Church needs today. And it's what your pastor, Winston Parrish, needs today. Lord, what more can I give? Put your finger on that thing. And I ask you in Jesus' name, Holy Father, now as we come into your presence, empty me of self. God, I pray the prayer of John 3.30 this Christmas morn. God, that you would allow me an opportunity to decrease that the light of Jesus Christ that shines in the face of our Lord to increase in my life. Take more of me. Take more of me. Take over everything. 
I want to give you all. Is there any man, any woman under the sound of my voice this Christmas morning say, Pastor, with all honesty of heart, I've got some things in my life that I've got to give to the Lord. There are some things in my life I need to lay at his feet. It belongs to him. Would you be man enough, woman enough just to raise your hand and say there's something in my life? Hands all over the building. Hands all over the building. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands up everywhere. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to close this service and I want us to keep the end of the year in mind on what we've been and I want us to look ahead, looking out of the windshield of life at 2023. It's coming right around the corner. Don't wait till New Year's Sunday to make your resolution. Get over the resolution and come down here and make a proclamation in the face of our Lord and say, I want to live for you. I want to give you my all. Let's stand all over the building. All of those hands that were raised, would you come? Would you come pray? You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for your neighbor. You're doing it because you want to make God happy. You want him to be pleased. There were hands up all over this building. Move now, come and pray. Ask God to do what only he can do in your life. There were dozens of hands, dozens of hands. Come now and pray. Step out in faith. Ask God to take your heart to do what only he can. There were so many hands there in the back. Sir, ma'am, would you step out in faith? Would you come and pray? Hands all over here that are staying still. Would you not be still on this Christmas? And would you come pray? Ask God to do what only he can in your life. Give it to him. Ask him. Christians, you help us pray. Every hand that was up. If you have not the courage to come, then turn your chair to a chapel. Ask God to do what only he can in your life. Give it to him. Is there something in your life that you know he's been wanting for quite some time and you're holding on to it in pride? Nothing will ever be right in your life. Nothing will ever be right in your home till you let go and give it to him. You can try to fix it. You can try to hold on to it. But at the end of the day, in love, you're just gonna make a bigger mess. You're just gonna mess it up even more. Won't you come take that thing that you've been messing up for decades maybe and say, God, I can't do it anymore. I give it to you. I give it to you. I give you myself. Take me and use me to reach my family to reach my friends, my school, to reach people that need hope. Use me as you please. Granddaddy, I want you to get a mic. I want you to come pray to close out. Our last Sunday in 2022. For the author, you sing as these pray. Heavenly Father, we come back into your presence thanking you, God, for who you are and thanking you, God, for what you are. We thank you for the message today and we thank you for the messenger. We thank you for the power of your word and the authority of your word. We're grateful today that there's no sword that can cut closer to the soul of man than the inerrant, infallible word. God, that we realize humbly today, broken before you, that we have nothing to bring. We have nothing to offer. We have no gift to give but ourselves. God, may we surrender all today. May we truly make that our prayer. I surrender all. All to thee I give, that today we can unite our hearts and our lives saying as we leave 22 and 
we head into 2023, that this will be a church of unity, a church of surrender, a church that says, whatever it takes, I want to walk with you in faith and fellowship for the future of my personal life, for the future of my marriage, for the future of my children and grandchildren. Oh God, help me to be faithful. Do for us, oh God, what we are not able to do for ourselves. Bless everyone that's kneeling in the altar. Bless everyone that's sitting in a chair or standing and praying. Bless everyone that's at home. God that's praying there, listening online. Bless those that are driving in the big rigs and they're worshiping with us all across the country. Bless those that are at work today and they have their headphones or their earbuds in and they're going to church while they work. I pray God today you would speak authority into their heart and life. God, change them by the power of your name and the authority of your son, Jesus Christ. God, may we not go home from this Christmas service the way we walked in the building. Tenderize our hearts, mold us and shape us into what you would have us to be. And God will carefully give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.